don't have enough time to sit down and read all the best Bitcoin articles? Well, let us read them for you. This is a Crypto Economy Quick Read. Alright guys, welcome to another Crypto Economy Quick Read. Uh, I wanted to do one today, while the vast majority of the articles I read with this is going to be directly related to Bitcoin or cryptocurrency or something similar. Um, I do want to hit on uh, economic topics. Just because you can't separate the economics from the technology. Like this is... Bitcoin or, or cryptocurrency in general is a system that essentially wraps the game theory, the political governance, economics, and money all into one. Like it is a, it, it's a, it's a system with implications in a lot of different ways. Um, so if you don't understand some of the underlying principles of economics and or you don't understand what the consequences of our current monetary policy are, you're never going to grasp the real value or just the the sheer impact that the Bitcoin monetary policy can have and the fact that it's defensive in nature so that it's essentially unalterable. Or at least that's, that's the goal. Um, so I am hitting an article today. This one, again, was uh, a little while ago, a week or so. Um, okay, so it was on February 8th. And this one is by David Vexler. He's uh, apparently the director of marketing at FEE. That's the Foundation for Economic Education. And you can find them at FEE.org. Uh, they always have some really good stuff. And uh, David Vexler, in general, has written a number of things that I've read in the past um, I've not done a quick read, uh, obviously, but uh, about Bitcoin. He does a lot of Bitcoin writing. So the article is titled, How Easy Money is Rotting America from the Inside Out. And it's a bit of an exploration of the consequences and uh, damage done by what is essentially the really crap monetary policy we have today. And it really hits at the core of why Bitcoin not only exists, but why it will have a monumental impact on everything we do uh, th throughout the entire economy. So again, this was How Easy Money is Rotting America from the Inside Out by David Vexler. The Federal Reserve has been the main cause of business cycles in America since 1913. For several decades, it has tried to hide the consequences of its policies by enabling easy credit during each recession. As Jonathan Newman wrote yesterday, pouring trillions of dollars into the financial sector obscures the external signs of the recession, such as low asset prices and high unemployment, and promotes economic malinvestment. This malinvestment creates the conditions that cause the next recession. Some of the consequences of the Fed's policies, such as stock market and housing bubbles, can be directly attributed to its policies. 
In other cases, the artificially low interest rates and other easy money policies foster an infrastructure rot that erodes the efficiency of the American economy, the standard of living of consumers, and eats away at American infrastructure. These effects are difficult to trace back to the Fed's policies, so let's concretize some examples to understand how Federal Reserve policies affect America. At the city level, low interest rates allow cities to fund new public projects such as parks and bridges. While this may seem fine and dandy, all infrastructure projects have a maintenance cost. It's not sufficient to build a park. One must also have the money to maintain it every year. If there's not enough revenue to pay for maintenance, the park will literally rot until the playgrounds fall apart, the lawns are overgrown, the lights fail, and the park becomes too dangerous to families to play in. The same thing will happen to streets, bridges, and plumbing. This is one of the ways urban decay happens. Easy money policies fund unsustainable urban, urban infrastructure projects, which make politicians look good, but end up crumbling a few years or decades later. The Flint water crisis happened in large part because the federal government funded infrastructure projects that were not sustainable by the incomes of the people of Michigan. Easy money from the Fed also rots the guts of American corporations. New money goes to the most politically connected businesses first and funds projects that would not be possible in a free market. Because private investors haven't actually saved enough to see the projects through to completion and consumers don't value the product enough to cover production costs, the companies getting free money from the government either fail or receive endless bailouts. For example, easy money encouraged unsustainable commitments like high union wages and pensions, forcing U.S. automakers to sell cars for prices that consumers could not pay given their actual savings rate. When sales dipped in 2009, the government was forced to bail out GM, Chrysler, and Ford in 2009. While small businesses are the last to get access to the Fed's easy money taps, big banks received over $700 billion in TARP bailouts, and even more selling U.S. Treasury bonds to the Fed under the QE program. Such subsidies signal to banks that their primary customer is the government, not consumers. As a result, financial services has stagnated, and banks have fought rather than embraced genuine innovations like the blockchain. The 2009 crisis made banks cautious of making mortgages to people who clearly could not afford them, but the Fed kept giving away free money and enabled a new phenomenon, zero-interest auto loans. While this may seem like a good deal for consumers, the Fed's credit expansion has created an auto credit bubble worth 9.2% of all household debt. Consumers are buying and leasing cars that they would not normally be able to afford. Instead of being taught to save, millennials are learning to have a negative savings rate, acquiring more debt than assets, and trust their future entirely to the government. If a recession happens, millions of people will suddenly find that they are unable to keep their cars and lack any emergency savings. When millions of unwanted cars are dumped back onto the market, automakers will again be unable to keep up with their inflated liabilities, requiring another bailout. Perhaps one of the most destructive products of easy money has been the war on terror. The U.S. has spent about $5 trillion on this seemingly endless war. 
And most of the money has not come from higher taxes, but from selling bonds to institutions like pension funds, and especially foreign countries such as China and Japan. American citizens have gained nothing of value, while our government has been spreading death, destruction, and revolution abroad. While the national economy has gotten away with federal deficits and a $20 trillion debt for decades, this trend is only sustainable as long as the rest of the world keeps lending the U.S. money. When they decide to stop funding our wars and financial irresponsibility, Americans will suddenly be faced with paying trillions of dollars in liabilities. This overdue correction will likely come with dramatic reductions to American standard of living. My point in writing this is to help you visualize the destructive effect of the U.S. government's easy money policies from an abstract harm to the practical harm. Collapsing bridges, kids poisoned from lead plumbing, millions of cars rotting in junkyards, scandalous bank service fees, bombs falling on innocent people all over the world, and widespread poverty once the easy credit party ends. A little bit of doom and gloom there, but uh, um, it, it kind of hits the, it, it scratches the surface on the effects of essentially just terrible monetary policy um, and the consequences of having a central government dictating monetary policy and supply at political whim. It's just, it, it's painfully unreliable. And think that all of this value getting squandered by the government, the $20 trillion in debt, the trillion dollar bailouts, the $5 trillion wars, these are all inefficiencies. That's, that's what these are. These are huge inefficiencies and poor incentives in a centralized monetary system. And a decentralized monetary system solves that problem. It means that we cannot arbitrarily just spend $5 trillion on something because it's an independent asset. The policy, that's where that $5 trillion came from. It came from manipulating monetary policy. Without the ability to manipulate monetary policy, with a means of securing it against corruption and against a central party's influence, you've stopped that $5 trillion in waste. And in my mind, that's worth at least that $5 trillion. And that's if we consider to some, what I would be a extremely low estimate, if we consider that essentially all of the inefficiencies of centralized monetary policy. If you start tallying up what the whole world is paying for the political whim of centralized institutions manipulating their money, we're talking about 10, 20, 30 trillions of dollars. It's not, it's not a pretty picture. It is a massive, massive underlying vulnerability in every major economy. And Bitcoin changes that game. Anyway, that's just my two bits in. Um, that will be all for our quick read today. Uh, please go check out fee.org. That's F-E-E.org the Foundation for Economic Education. They always have really good stuff, and uh, David Vexler often has uh, Bitcoin stuff out. Um, I encourage you to check them out. Uh, outside of that, don't forget to like and follow 
at the crypto economy on Twitter. Uh, follow me on SoundCloud and all that good stuff too. Hopefully, I'll have the website out soon. And thanks for listening. This has been a Crypto Economy Quick Read. I'll catch you guys next time.